Amen. Well, as I mentioned in the, uh, the welcome time, we are doing a scripture memory verse focus this year, and, and uh, our verse this morning is John chapter 14, verse 6, and one of the things we do to help us start to uh, get it into our minds and then maybe you know, filter down into our hearts is that we repeat it a few times at the beginning of the sermon, and, and the words are up there so you can follow along, but we're going to start taking away some of those words, some of the key words, and, and the, the hope being that we fill in the blanks, and then as you do that, uh, you start putting little parts of it into your memory, and then the whole thing. That's, that's the idea here. So go ahead and, and, and say this with me again, and I invite everybody here now uh, to recite this with me, and let's apply this scripture to our hearts. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. All right, so now we take away some of those words. Leave some, so it's not too hard. And uh, let's say this again together. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the Father but through me. Okay, now it's getting serious. Here we go, ready? One more time. 14.6 Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Alright, very good job, very good job. And uh, this is Easter Sunday, or Resurrection Sunday, the, the Sunday that we celebrate that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. Now there have been other people who have risen from the dead. Uh, the body of Elisha, uh, when he was in his grave and they went to put somebody else in their grave, he was a dead man and they were carrying him, they accidentally stumbled and dropped his body onto Elijah's body, and the man came to life. In Jesus' time, in his ministry, there was a, a widow and her son, her only son, had just died, and they were on the way to bury him, and Jesus came by and happened to be there, and he brought the son back to life. And most of us are probably familiar with Lazarus, who had been dead for four days. And the family, when Jesus said, roll the stone away, they, they said, you know, Jesus, probably not, you know, there's a smell. He's been in the grave for four days. We don't, we don't want to do that. And yet, Jesus said, Lazarus, come forth. And Lazarus came out of the tomb. So there have been people who have risen again, except aside from Jesus. What makes Jesus unique is two things. First, each one of those people died again. Lazarus, at some point, went through the experience of dying a second time. Uh, that widow's son, hopefully he had a good long life and he took care of his mom, but someday he died again. Jesus never died again. Jesus went up to the 
Father and lives today. That's, that's one of the differences between Jesus and those others. But the second difference is none of those people did it on their own. You know, the, the first man who uh, came back to life when his body landed on Elijah, Elisha's, not Elijah, Elisha's body there in his, his grave, he came alive because of the Spirit of God and the power of Elisha. And there was God saying something about Elisha that even though he was dead, yet he was the prophet of God. The other two, those were Jesus. Jesus told the young man to get up. Jesus told Lazarus to, to rise. Oh, I, I forgot the young girl. You know, the, the synagogue leader's daughter, Jairus' daughter. I forgot about her. Jesus said, oh, she's just sleeping. Jesus got her up. Said to the parents, give her something to eat. Been through a rough day. Nobody, nobody called Jesus out of a tomb. Nobody had to come by and obey the commandment to you know, roll that tomb away or that stone away. He, he got himself up. He got himself out. The, the movie Risen uh, has an interesting little uh, artistic license, you might say, where they're looking at the ropes that had bound the stone in front of the tomb and they said, nobody cut these. It's as if the stone blasted out of here. And the, rips, the ropes were ripped to shreds because of an explosion. And I thought that was an interesting way of thinking about, you know, how do we, how do we in the modern era show just how powerful this event was? The, the, the difference between Jesus and those others is that he didn't need anybody else to act on his behalf. He didn't get salvation through some, or excuse me, life again through someone else. He got it through himself. But as we see in our scripture today, how do we get life? Well, we get life like Jairus' daughter and like Lazarus through the action and the decision and the call and the power of Jesus Christ through him. That is how we get life, not through ourselves, not of ourselves, but as John chapter 14, verse 6 says, through Jesus. Jesus said to him, and now who's the him there? Well, if you, if you happen to have a Bible with you, you can look at the very first uh, few verses there in chapter 14. This is uh, taken out of Jesus' upper room discourse, his time with his disciples right before he goes to the Garden of Gethsemane and is arrested and taken to trial, taken to the cross, and killed. It's his last time with his disciples, and he's teaching them. And he's telling them not to be worried. He, he, he's, he's letting them know what's about to happen and that they're going to go through a really rough time. In fact, Simon Peter had just told Jesus, Lord, I'm ready to die for you. And Jesus said, not yet. No. No, in fact, before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. Right after that, Jesus says, don't let your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. And he starts talking about his father's house and how there are many, many places, many rooms for the disciples to come live. And he says, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I'm going away, I'm going to come again. And he was talking about going to the cross, that I'm going so that you can be brought into the family. That's what he's talking about when he talks about uh, my father's uh, has. My father's house 
in my Father's house are many dwelling places. I'm going to prepare a place for you. I go and prepare it and I will come again. You know, if you're allowed to stay in somebody's house on an indefinite period, you're family, right? You, you might become like family or you might be family. There, there are people who have a right to come into my house and to sleep in one of my beds and they're all mine. They're my beds, my food, my couch, my TV, split 100% and 100% with animals. And there are people who have the right every day to come home and to sleep in one of those beds. They're my family. Now you might put up with, if I come to you all, you know, hound dog and draggled saying, hey, I need help, I need a place to stay tonight. You might put me up. You might allow me to sleep on a couch. But there's a time limit, isn't there? Sooner or later, guests like fish, three days, they start to stink. It's time to get the guest out. But the family stays. And that's what Jesus is talking about. In my Father's house are many dwelling places. There are many rooms, many areas for all of my family to live. I'm going to prepare a place for you that you can be part of the family. That's what he's talking about, that you will be part of the family. And he's not just talking about a heavenly dwelling place, but metaphorically that we would be part of God's family today. And he says, I'm going away, and where I'm going, there you may be also. And then he says in verse 4, and you know the way where I am going. You know the way where I'm going, so don't worry. You know how to get there. I'm going to come back for you, and you're going to be part of the family. And one of the disciples, Thomas, uh, he gets a bad rap about being a doubting Thomas, but he's really not so much a doubter as he's a I love you too much to type guy. And Thomas says to him, Lord, we do not know where you are going. How do we know the way? And that's why Jesus says to him, I am the way. How, we don't know where you're going. How do we know the way? I don't, you know, he's thinking about physically, where are you going? How can I know the way? if I don't know where you're going. And Jesus says, I'm the way. I am the way and the truth and the life, threefold. You know, whenever they're grouped into threes, we've got to pay attention because you have the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. You have faith, hope, and love. Whenever we get three, we need to pay attention because that's an important number uh, in the realm of God. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And then what does he say? No one comes to the Father but through me. We don't get there on our own. We don't get there in, in other religious tracks. We can't get there any other way without Jesus and without going through him. It's not like take him along. No, through means by his agency, by his design. But here's, here's the question that this verse assumes and that maybe we don't assume today. It assumes the desire to get to the Father. See, Jesus is a bunch of Jewish men whose desire it is to be righteous. It's their desire to be good Israelites. It's their desire to be God's people. Let me ask you, how much do we in this day and age 
as a culture, as a country, as individuals, as families, how much do we talk about wanting to be God's? How much is it the focus of are we making sure that we are living unto the Lord? Are we, are we thinking about, are we doing the things that are pleasing to Him, that I can be His? I, I would suggest that a lot of people in the world today really don't care about the Father, and they don't care about how to get to the Father or to be with Him. So the statement of no one comes to the Father but through me, there are a lot of people in the world that say, who cares? Who wants to be with the Father? What does that even mean? You know, raised in a Christian household, even if I wasn't a Christian all the time, but raised in that environment, I grew up with the understanding that God is the creator of all things. That he has created it all and that he has created me and he has created me to live within the world. And the way it works with the creator is, is they know how things work, right? They have the idea, the knowledge. And somebody can create something and then we just go off and do our own thing. We're messing it up. It reminds me, I was, I was teaching a chess class. I've been teaching a chess class since January. Teaching kids how to move the pieces and what pieces are worth, you know, what points and, and, and strategy. And so we're about to be done with this class and this week we started a tournament. Oh, exciting, you know, let's see if we can figure out, you know, who are the better players so that they can play against each other. And if, if you're a player that's always getting beat, maybe it'd be nice to get down on a lower level and play somebody more at your level. And during this, two kids were playing and one of them triumphantly made a move and picked up the other player's king and said, look, I got his king. And my heart just sunk into my stomach because one of the first lessons I taught these kids was you never capture the king when the king is in a position where he's going to be captured and he can't get out of that position. That's called checkmate and the game is over. So if you captured the king, that means the king was in check and you're not supposed to make other moves. And after weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks of teaching them this, I have two kids that couldn't care about the rules. They're just happy to play the game their way. And you can do that in your living room, I guess, but it doesn't work in a tournament. It doesn't work in real life, you might say. And the same is true for us. We have a creator who has designed the world and designed us and put us in the world. If we don't live based upon his rules, how he has set it up, we're going to be doing crazy things like capturing a king when we should have said check in the first place. We're going to play wrong. We're going to destroy the game. We're going to destroy our lives. So, so the question of how do we come to the Father is important because hopefully we should, as people, desire to know God. In, in fact, the Westminster Catechism, uh, this was designed way back in the 1600s when they were combining the Church of Scotland with the Church of England and trying to get everybody to agree on certain things. They came up with a list. A catechism is a list of questions and answers to teach the faith. And the very first question is what is the chief end of man? In other words, as human beings, what is our highest priority? What is the most important thing we do? What is the one thing that if we do it, we have done the number one job? It's like my dad and my uncle. They were fighter pilots, and their, their dad before them was a, a bomber pilot in World War II. 
And my grandfather taught my, my dad and my uncle one thing. Said the most important rule about flying. Fly the plane. Your engine goes out. Your, 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 your gears and everything, you know, your, your, your dash, if, if, if things go haywire and you don't know what's going on, you cannot focus so much on your problems that you stop flying the plane. The first thing you've got to do is fly the plane. And if everything else goes bad, fly the plane. And then maybe you think about other things. But the most important thing is fly the plane. If you don't do that, you're, you're in for a bad time. Wouldn't you agree? If you, don't, you, know, if you, you, you put it on autopilot walk to the back, you might be in trouble. Fly the plane. Well, the same thing is true. What is the chief end? What is the equivalent for all of us to fly the plane? The, the chief end, the most important thing for us to do, the answer is the chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That is the most important thing for us to do in life. That is the thing, if you get nothing and you get this right, you'll find you've gotten a lot of other things right by default. But if we can glorify God and enjoy Him forever. That means that we give Him glory how we live, how we work, how we treat people, the things we think, the things we eat, the things we do. If we do it for His glory, that is how we glorify Him. And then to enjoy Him forever. I know this isn't an idea most people have in, in our culture today about God, but God is enjoyable. God is a being, a spiritual being that you can have great delight in, that you can enjoy your life with Him, that it is an, an adventure. It is exciting. It may not be I'm trying to get out of a tomb before the rock rolls over me, Indiana Jones type exciting, but there is excitement in following the Lord because He will lead us in ways and places we don't want to go, that if we go through it, we'll find ourselves in better places and more exciting joy with Him, that we would delight in His ways and in knowing Him and getting to know Him. That is what it means to enjoy Him. We, we glorify Him, and then we enjoy Him. That's what we are called to do. That is the, the chief end of all humanity. All of us. That is the most important thing. And, and the problem is that we go on our own way. We've got a lot of people who say, who cares about God? I don't even think God exists. I mean, can you imagine? I don't even think God exists. There's going to come a day when they're going to be able to say that to His face. And we'll see how that goes. But there's a... You know, and, and I remember wrestling with this as a young guy, especially in my teenage years. I had my thoughts of what enjoyment was. I had my thoughts of what my life should mean. I had my thoughts, and they did not equal God's thoughts. And I really didn't care for his thoughts on my life. Anybody been there? But he calls us to glorify him and enjoy him forever. And because... Uh, of sin in our lives because we would prefer our own ways because we want our own stuff we go away from him we aren't able to glorify him. we aren't able to enjoy him forever because of our sin we're in a state of rebellion against him we are working against him we want our own things how can we glorify god if we're in rebellion against him how can we glorify god if we say i don't want god's things how can we enjoy Him when we're too busy playing with our mud pies of earth? The, the little fleeting pleasures of life in the flesh that don't last, they always have to be refilled. 
How can we enjoy Him when we're too busy enjoying ourselves and our sin? This is our our great problem. That's why Jesus is saying no one comes to the Father but through Me. Because we desperately need to be restored to God and we can't do it. we're, We're in our sin, we're separated from Him, and we desperately need to be restored to Him. His disciples understood that. That's why they they were following Jesus. That's why they were listening to him. That's why they were going along with him. He was the Messiah. He was the one that was going to restore Israel. And they were excited about being restored because they knew their life was wrong. They knew having the Romans and and, uh, sovereignty over them was not what they were supposed to have. It wasn't right. No, they wanted to be restored to God. And we desperately need to be restored to God too. And my prayer for all of us is that if you've either, A, already been in a place where you desperately felt your need to be restored to God, or B, that you would at some point, whether today or tomorrow or a year from now, that some point in your life, you would desperately, desperately feel the need to be restored to God. That you would start to hunger for it. That is what we desperately need. And that is what Jesus is talking about when He says, no one comes to the Father but through Me. Jesus is the only one who can restore us to God. We we desperately need Jesus to restore us. We, We desperately need to be restored. And we try in our own ways a lot of times. But Jesus is the only one who can restore us to God. We're, that's why he says, uh, no one comes to the Father but through me. Jesus is the only way. We can't do it on our own. We can't be good enough. We can't be clean enough. We can't be uh, apologetic enough. No, something had to happen. We are in our sins. We are dead to God. And so what did Jesus do? His way of restoring us was to go to the cross. He went to the cross, and it was through the the. the obedience to death on the cross that Jesus is able to obtain our salvation. He went through the cross, through that experience, and then He rose again, giving us life. Because Jesus went through those actions, through those experiences for us, we are able now to go to the Father through Him. We're able to find salvation through Jesus. There is no one else Jesus is the only one who can restore us to God. Good behavior can't. Righteousness can't, not on our own. Our thoughts, our parents, they can't. Our grandparents, they can't. doesn't matter how righteous and how good and how loving grandma was. It doesn't count for me. The only one who counts for me is Jesus. And the only one who counts for you is Jesus. There is no one comes to the Father but through me. There is no other way. Notice what Jesus says, comes, not goes. He's he's on earth with the disciples and He's saying no one comes to the Father because He is already with the Father. Even though He's at a table talking to them, even though after He died and rose from the dead, He had 40 more days on earth with them, He was already with the Father because He and the Father are one. And they were one at that time. And so he's talking about not so much that we will come to the Father as in go to heaven, but that we can come to the Father today, in our lives today, and how we live today. 
salvation isn't just. Sometimes, and I think in our, our culture, we got to the point where salvation was, was fire insurance, as they put it. You know, keep you out of hell. Where, where our focus was less about what we can get with God and more about what we can avoid without Him. You know, if I don't have Him, I'm going to go to hell. I don't want to go to hell, therefore I will accept Him. What does that do? That makes Him the means to an end, but that end is not Him. You know, think of it. If, if, if you don't like God today, you're really not going to enjoy heaven. I'm not saying you're going to greatly enjoy hell, but you're not going to enjoy heaven because heaven is God. God is there. If we don't delight in him, if we don't desire him, if we don't want to enjoy him and glorify him, and in fact there are Christians who believe that heaven and hell are one and the same, it's just your perspective. Say that the, the river of life and the lake of fire are the same thing. I'm not putting that, for, that idea forward, but you can understand where they come from. It. Because if you do not love God, and as anybody who has been an unregenerate teenager in church with a pastor going on too long, if you don't like what he's talking about, it can be painful, can it? Well, imagine eternity with God. If you don't love him, that can be pretty painful. There is no way to come to the Father but through Jesus, that we have to desire Him, that we have to not just It's not just fire insurance at the end, but every day, it's here on earth, that, that we can be with God. Notice what Jesus says, that I am the way and the truth. And I love the fact that He says and the, on both and the truth and the life. He doesn't just say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. He doesn't just say, I am the way, I am truth. No, I am the way, the only way. I and the truth. He is true. There is no truth outside of Jesus. Okay? Whatever we want to think, if we take God out of it, it's no longer the truth, it's a lie. And if we want to take Jesus out of it, it's no longer the truth, it's a lie. Those, those other religions that say, you know, there, there, there are several religions that believe in the God of Israel that do not follow up with Jesus Christ. And because they reject Jesus, they don't have the truth. They worship God in their own ways, but not in His way. The same is true for our lives, that Jesus is the truth. And so as we look in the world and we watch the news and we see all that is going on, so much of it doesn't take into consideration Jesus. So much of the events in the world today don't take into consideration God the Father. Now I want to challenge you as you read the newspaper or as you go online those things, or if you're scanning through social media and some crazy stuff out there, a question to always be asking if you're a believer in Jesus Christ is where does God fit into this? Where is Jesus active in this? Is this thing that I'm reading still true in the light of Christ? Or does the light of Christ shine on this and make it look different to me? There's no truth unless Jesus is in it. He is the truth. And finally, He is the life. There is no life without Him. We don't obtain it for ourselves. Now, we might be living and breathing as far as we talk about here on earth, but not living spiritually. And that's what he's talking about, real life. And the things that we as uh, humans talk about in our culture, we think, oh, now we're living. 
right? And we can look at other people and we can become jealous of them. We can think, oh, wow, they're really living. You know, most of those things they're doing, it's just really death. It's trying to get another electrical shock in their death. And so they keep going back to it because they don't have any life in themselves. They're just trying to fill it up with excitement and an electric shock. And so much of our experiences in life, that's what it really comes down to, is we're just trying to shock ourselves into an experience. But with Jesus, you don't need that. He is the life. And and not just for the future, but how we live today. Remember that I am the way, and and back when we were in Proverbs chapter 3, verse 6, uh, he told us, in all your ways, acknowledge him. That our ways, that's how we live. That's how we go about our lives. So when Jesus says, I am the way, he's not just talking about I'm the way to the Father. I am the way to live. I am the pathway. That, that Jesus is the true way to live. If you want to throw all those together, I am the way and the truth and the life. Jesus is the true way to live. That if you want life today, if you want to live properly today, if you want to live truly today, the way to live is through faith in Jesus Christ. And everything else can take a back seat. Everything else can come in second. Scripture memorization that we do, the words we use, all these things, they come after. Do we live through faith in Jesus Christ? And if all you have is faith in Jesus Christ, you will have enough to live. And and if we believe in Him and we place our faith in Him and we trust in Him, as we grow, we will find the true way to live. Ways that don't rely upon deception or bragging or, or, or boasting or making things look better than they were or trying to diminish things. No, when we walk with Him, when we walk in the light, we can see things clearly and we can acknowledge them because it's not about us anymore. It's about Him. Jesus is the true way to live. That's what He did when He came to the cross to give us the ability to know God, our Creator, and to give us the ability to live in such a way that we might glorify Him and enjoy Him. Because you can't glorify God. There's a lot of uh, Muslim believers. There's a lot of Jewish believers. And they're doing a lot of righteous actions. They glorify God in their own ways. And it doesn't do a thing. Because you can't glorify Him without acknowledging the Son. If you don't acknowledge the Son, you don't have any faith in the Father. Jesus says it's as simple as that. We cannot glorify God unless we place our faith in Jesus Christ. And similarly, we can't enjoy God unless we place our faith in Jesus Christ. Because we're not going to delight in His ways. We're not going to seek His ways unless we do that first. That's why this verse is so important, especially on a day like Resurrection Sunday, because this is how Jesus gave it to us. His way was through the cross and through the tomb. And because of that, our way is through Him. That's what we celebrate today. So in a moment, we're gonna, the, the worship team's going to come back up and we're going to uh, have a time of response. But right now, I just want to invite you, say this verse with me one more time. Let's see, let's think about these words, way 
truth and life. And as we say it, I want you to ask yourself, do I want to come to the Father? Do I desire to know my Creator God and to know how the world should work the way He made it? Ask yourself that as we, as we say this verse. John 14, 6. Jesus said to him, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. Amen. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You that You have sent us Your Son. That You have made the way for us to come to salvation. We thank You, Father, that He was willing and obedient to go to the cross. That He died in our place. And Lord, we thank You that that wasn't the end of the story. But that three days later He rose again. Not through the power of of anyone else but through his own power. I lay my life down and I can take it up again, he said. We thank you, Father, that Jesus has taken up life. And we pray, Lord, that you would take up life in our hearts. That you would give us life through the faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, help us to believe in him. If anybody is here today who has not placed their faith in Jesus Christ, we pray that they would feel that burden, that desire, that need to be reconciled to You, to be restored to You. Lord, we pray that it would become a desperate hunger in their heart and their soul till they can't ignore it any longer. And we pray, Lord, that they would come to know Jesus Christ as the way, that they would know Him as the truth, and that they would come to Him to seek the life that He gives us. We pray, Father, for those of us who have loved ones that are distant from Jesus. We pray, Lord, for them as we think about them. We ask that they would come to know Jesus, to believe in Him, to place their faith in Him, that their desire would be to know You. We pray, Father, for us today. Make this real in our lives, not just a hope for the future, for heaven, for the resurrection. But today, Lord, give us life in how we live. May we live by Your truth. May we walk in Your ways. Guide us through this world. Guide us through this life, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen.